Hi, I'm Alex Freycon. You're listening to My Therapist and I, a podcast that isn't just about therapy, it is therapy. More specifically, my therapy. I love my family. I, I love them a lot. Um, but that doesn't mean that I've always loved the way that they've treated me. And uh, in this session, I sort of talk about that with Dr. Steve, and it's not easy to talk about your childhood and you know your relationship with your family, but hey, it's work worth doing, so hope you enjoy. <laughs> I hope not for the podcast. Though. I said that in a, in a job interview in the last month. We, I said the word chisel, and the candidate that we were interviewing said, are we recording now? Yeah. Oh, what did the candidate say? The candidate said, did you really just say the chisel? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I did. 2008 called, bro. Yeah. They want their word back. Um, hello, everyone. We're back. We're back. Same clothes. Oddly enough, same clothes. I was thinking about how people might start to pick up like, oh, he's worn that shirt before. I only have so many things I can wear. For you, you've been in the rotation of the same three shirts, I swear. Like, I know I haven't worn this one. <laughs> you totally have. But I have other navy blue shirts. Okay, so that's what sweaters, it is. But. And then you got your orange one, and then uh, you got like a gray one. So I think you got three colors that you Probably. just sort of rotate through. Yeah. Which consistency is key, so. When I teach classes at the U, there's a part of me that wants to, like I usually teach my classes once a week and I want to take a picture of what I'm wearing each week so that they're like, is that only, is that only yeah. wears? So. There's a, a famous Vine. Vine used to be. Yeah, I'm with it. Okay. I'm with it. Shizzle. Yeah. yeah. Shizzle and Vine yeah. were like cousins. Clearly. Um, and it's just a series of, uh, it's the teacher walking into his class, and um, so it's like day after day after day, and he just does the same routine. He walks and he says, hello, hello, and it's just a new shirt each time, <laughs> but then after four times, it's like he rotates the shirts, <laughs> and it's just this like, you know, it's a beautiful Compressed. encapsulation yeah. of like, this guy does the same thing each day. He's got probably got like four shirts. He's got his go-to, hello. Sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we'd started podcasting, Dr. Steve, you had asked a question that I said, hey, you should ask me that question on the podcast. Yeah. And my, my question was, are you, are you uh, breaking up with me? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Steve, yeah. <laughs> um, it, what, my, what my comment, my observation was, it, it feels like you may be getting to a point where you're not, um, as, you're not in a position where you need therapy as much. I definitely have felt that way, and I told Dr. Steve this. It's This is a new thing. This has been within the last couple of weeks. Like, this is the first time in my life where I've gone, you know, two weeks without seeing George, which to everyone listening, they're probably like, well, that's not that much time, Alex. Right. But to me, that's a big deal, because after, you know, one missed session, I would, I would be sort of angsty and i'd have all these things stuck in my head and you know i'd have mm -hmm. physical i could feel it physically i need to go to therapy but this last month i've been okay and i don't know if that's a combination of things like I talked about having Haley in my life is super stabilizing and then right. also <clears throat> you know i've been busting my butt uh trying to get my company off the ground and a lot of the work has been sort of fruitless at the start but things are slowly starting to pick up and it's like, okay, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe this idea isn't stupid. Maybe it is viable. Mm -hmm. That's sort of taking away anxiety. Um, so. But you're also, you, you meet with George. Yeah. 
yeah. occasionally. You've got an EMDR person yeah. that's well, been, I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks either. That's been doing things. You've got this podcast yeah. Uh, yeah. with its limitations, but I think we hit on things as mm-hmm. well. Um, you've got some couples work that you do occasionally, right? Yeah. Yep. It's a, a lot of... It's a lot. So. There are times where I have four you know, in a week, four therapy sessions in a week. Yeah. Which like, that's, I, that's just not sustainable. That <laughs> is... So yeah. Not sustainable from a financial, from a... From, from a, a emotional, emotional energy. Yeah. Also financially too. Yeah, that's a chunk of change. Yeah. I mean, Although, and I cannot imagine what it would have been like before Obamacare. Because with, you know, I believe a part of Obamacare was getting mental health covered by insurance. Mm. So with my insurance, I pay a $25 copay. Uh-huh. Nice. Which that is, that is, you know. Huge. That is doable. I yeah. can make that work. Yeah. It was a hundred dollars a session, or yeah. one fifty, or two. it's like right. no, you can't go to therapy. Right. Um, so, long answer short, things have just uh, been progressing to the point where it's like, okay, I feel like I've experienced enough. Maybe it's I've sat with anxiety and things enough to be like, okay, this is normal. You know, talking with you has helped in the sense of this notion of like mastery versus acceptance. Uh-huh. So this idea of acceptance is. Is I think assisting me in terms of yeah yeah being comfortable with what I'm feeling. I mean, it's interesting because one of the one of the big things that we've talked about in here, and one of the big things my understanding is that you've worked on with with George is this thing called dissociation. Mm-hmm. This this part of you that felt at a very young age that a piece of you left, right? That, yeah. that there was a part of me that that left, and and I've been feeling kind of separated from the rest of humanity and like like I'm this oddball or I have this weirdness about me. Um, my sense, my my guess is probably that dissociation has not ended for you, that you still have oh, yeah. moments when you're in touch with it. But like you said, acceptance versus mastery, right? Maybe I can't master this dissociation, but maybe I'm, I've come to accept that this is a, a, a necessary part or an inevitable part of my existence and I could fret about it or I could move yeah. on and conduct my business, get my business off the ground and, you know, have time with my family or have, you know, whatever. I agree. And I'm, this is a wonderful segue. I don't know if you plan this or not. Of course, everything's planned. Everything's planned. But, uh, so I, the last session I had had with my EMDR lady, um, we didn't do it EMDR. I'm still like doing the prep work, but we spent a lot of time, talking about it and this idea of like how EMDR is helpful with compulsive compulsions is what she calls it. Just uh-huh. like, you know, compulsive thoughts, yeah. obsession, obsessive thoughts. Yeah. Um, in that work, I wanted to talk a bit about <clears throat> also though, before we get into that, I, um, to the point of like planting roots and building a family, I, I put in very first, a home offer ever oh yeah first time so that was last night which will be yeah well we're not going to get into the whole time time is relative on this podcast um but that was just exciting i've been thinking more about like okay i'm gonna have a family soon you know i'm gonna get married we're gonna have little baby alexis running around and um, you know, that's cool. I think that's grounding in its own light. I think there's more things to focus on now that are like carry more importance. It's like, 
there are multiple ways to live life. One of those ways is to focus on things that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. Another way is to be like, okay, things happened to me in the past. In addition to that, there are a lot of cool things happening now, and I'm going to give that my attention. Yeah. Sort of to what you just said earlier. Right. The EMDR work is interesting because it is very focused on my childhood. We've spent a lot of time doing that. And um, it's also been fascinating because my EMDR professional, my EMDR therapist, is very sensitive, I think, to like any idea of childhood trauma. And they have been, she has been, you know, I've explained, hey, here's the environment I grew up in. And she's been very quick to be supportive and like, hey, that was really tough and almost like critical of, you know, I don't want to say critical of my parents, but she's been on, you know, the, take it a spectrum. <laughs> and maybe I unfairly place you, Dr. Steve, over here in terms <laughs> of like, hey, you know, this isn't just the parents' fault. Mm-hmm. She's more on this side. It was okay. like, it's the parents' fault. Yeah. Which has been really interesting because it allows me to compare. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it's a little uncomfortable, right? Because I'm like, hey, when we talked about this, I was like, I don't want to be in an environment where you are planting things into my head. Uh huh. And I don't, I, and th- I'm not saying you are, but I'm, this is a concern that I have that mm-hmm. I'm going to be led to conclusions. Yeah. We talked about that and she was like, you know, my, the, the work will be, I'll give you prompts and you're just going to go where your brain takes you. But it was a little unsettling to be like, you know, I, I'm sort of trusting you and you're coming at me with these strong statements. Yeah. And the, the, cha- <clears throat> <Excuse me. clears throat> the challenge with that, I mean, EMDR is a specific protocol to work with trauma. Yeah. And so if you're coming to me and I'm an EMDR trained person, I'm going to look for trauma mm-hmm. and I'm going <clears> to, <throat> that's what I'm, cause yep. that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and the other thing we know about, about trauma is that each person's trauma, each person who is exposed to something has a different reaction to that thing, whether they experience it as traumatic or less traumatic or more yes, traumatic, you yes. know, it's that, that is relative, that is highly, highly idiosyncratic. And so, um, so one person's trauma might be another person's inconvenience and, to make an analogy, it's like if someone got hit by a car when they were six years old and someone else, their cat died when they were six years old, they might hold those events as equally traumatic. Maybe. And the person who got hit by the car is going to be like, wait a minute, your cat dying has not nearly as intense as right. me getting hit by a car. However, that person whose cat died, they never got hit by a car. So in their world, they don't have that comparison relative to them. That was a really you know, sad, and, hurtful and, moment. And you don't know, you don't know like one person on the one hand, the other on the other, you don't know what kind of internal resources they had. You yep. don't know what kind of family oh, environment, totally. you don't know what the kind of cultural experience they're having. They don't know, <clears throat> do they feel threatened the moment they walk out of their uh, apartment? Yeah. Is the cat the only thing I've got that understands me? Um, and now it's gone. And <clears throat> so. So one, and I would like to, to share more and, I feel comfortable sharing more. This is going to have to do with uh, how I grew up and my environment. And I, th- I feel comfortable. I feel like I'm at a place where as long, and I guess this is where I feel uncomfortable. Is like, I don't want to come across as I am 
inaccurately describing things, right? Because you know I'm mm-hmm. I'm beholden to my memory, yeah. and I don't want to make you know accusations based on memory because memory is valuable. But what we talked about a lot in in the EMDR couple of sessions and something that I'm working through is that I grew up uh, in a family. My family dynamic was um, that my dad had a uh, he's like pretty normal dad, but had a just a problem with with anger, uh-huh. a very uh, zero to one hundred. Mm-hmm. kind short, of guy short fuse mm-hmm. um and i think what i'm excited to kind of work through is more specifically the word that i describe it as is, is just rage mm-hmm. which i don't i mean perhaps you know the difference between anger and rage but the way i define it is like everyone gets angry you know i'm angry because of something that happened you know i want to express this anger but growing up there were a lot of instances where it's like I, my dad would just lose control. Like he, it's like he'd get to a point where he'd be just enraged, and it's like, okay, it doesn't matter what you say. He'd get the look on his face. It's kind of like, you know, with, uh, maybe the Hulk or something. It's like, oh, he's, you know, yeah. scatter, just run get because <clears throat> there's nothing you can say. There's no reason. It's like he's in rage mode. You got to get out. Mm-hmm. And I think exposure to that as a kid um, caused, helped me develop this ability to be like, okay, I am in danger. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm in danger. There's nowhere I can go because I'm in a house. It's not like I can just get in my car and leave. Right. So I got a sort of sequester in my mind, sort of, sort of a situation. Um, so we've been talking about that, which is the first time I've been really working through that in a very long time yeah and um it's interesting because again i don't want to i don't want to go down a road where we start talking about things that like aren't necessarily true but i definitely know how i felt and i know what the experience was like yeah and um i it's not something that i talk about very often Mm mm-hmm but it was really challenging, and, and the more I think about it, the more like this is a super sensitive subject for me. But um, it was always very, it's so challenging to be a kid, to be in an environment where it's like, okay, clearly what's happening is not your fault, and it's totally outside your control. Mm-hmm. But when you're a child, you have no idea. You assume you've done something wrong. Like for example, uh, if there was ever like an accident, we'd be met with, it could be rage, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, Alex, you forgetting a book at home that you needed to bring to school, like in the grand scheme of things, you know, you're six years old, right. it's an accident. You didn't do it on purpose. But when you're met with rage, you immediately are like, oh God, I've done something terribly wrong, but you can't. Yeah, the you end, of, end of the world. <clears throat> so it's been really trippy to sort of, and sort of exhausting to go through that and um yeah and that that sets up a way of thinking about dealing with hard emotions strong emotions right um if i don't want to i don't want to tick somebody off because that if i if i trigger the hulk reaction then it's not safe anymore 
<clears throat> that's very different. You know, getting to that rageful place is very different than someone who's expressing their anger and their hurt and their sadness yeah. and things like that. Um, the thing about rage for me is that it always felt like I knew I wasn't like my life wasn't in danger, but it always triggered that feel like almost that like fight or flight. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was like, oh, okay, we are in like we are in danger. We need to leave. Like, yeah, because you don't know. You don't know. And then, then over time, as you grow up and you mature, and if that's your parents' response, if that's your dad's response, you're like, this is just what he does. Yeah, you, you totally. Be, you become a teenager and go, I'm over it, Dad. This is your kind of BS, rageful response. And you can, I mean, that's when a lot of people's relationships with their parents fracture is because the, you, you get more of an adult understanding about how your parents have been dealing with things or not dealing with things. And you go, I'm done with this. I'm not you don't have anything to offer me, right? That's yeah. the, the hard part. The The cool part would be if you can talk to your dad about this and he goes, and if he's able to say things today, like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's I was, not going to happen. But no, like, I mean, imagine him saying, yeah. I was at a different place in my life. That or if awesome. he's still, if he's still in that rageful place, you might be in a position where you, where you say, dad, this is, this had a real impact on me. Yes. And, and it, 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 it hooks into how I deal with conflict in my workplace environment, in my relationship, intimate relationships with, you know, with women or, you know, with, uh, and I worry about the impact that's going to have when I become a father, like, am I just going to default for this, you know, fly off the handle kind of a I've had, you know, you know, I've written, uh, you look on my computer, I have like three different versions of letters I've written. Right, I th- I think about this conversation a lot. Like with to your dad, yeah, yeah. And um, I think the most difficult, another difficult element of that was after these fits of rage, it w- was met with we would be um, ignored, like we would be with. Uh, it's a, okay, so it would be incident, whether it's like dropping a glass or not finishing vegetables or something like that. And then it would be rage. And then it would be like, I'm not talking to you until you apologize to me. Mm -hmm. And that whole experience was really um, challenging for me because it was like, you that you would assume I did, I would assume I did something wrong, but I felt, I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't do anything, you know, like it's not like I was being naughty. Mm-hmm. I was just being a human, but I got to apologize. But my pride is like, well, I don't want to apologize. You know, I feel like you did something wrong to me. Yeah. Um, Not even related to the glass that I yeah. tipped over or whatever. Yeah. I I would love for you to apologize to me too, but I got to be the one to apologize as a eight-year-old or a 10-year-old. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of tough, but going to my, going to my dad and, trying to have any kind of conversation would immediately be like well i don't want to talk about this you're wrong and it's disrespectful for you to even suggest this so i'm done i'm not talking to you until you come and apologize to me for even bringing it up so it repeats the pattern yeah Mm -hmm. yep i mean i remember probably three years ago two years ago i was visiting them in florida and he and i got into an argument because you know he had been saying some things that I just straight up found offensive. And I know he, he kind of does this thing where he's like, loves to get a rise out of people. Mm. But he was just getting to the point where the things he were saying, they weren't particularly clever. They were just sort of, you're clearly just saying these rude things that are 
borderline hateful things and I'm sick of it. Stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And I said something to him and, and he, it triggered this whole thing of respect. I'm your elder. How dare you? Mm. And he didn't talk to me for the rest of the time. You were there. On the and, there and then mm-hmm. he had to take me to the airport. He didn't say a word to me. He drove me to the airport. I said goodbye to him. He didn't say a word. I got out of the car. He drove off. And it's weird to experience that as an adult. And uh, it's so triggering because, you know, there's I have like a, a hundred of a thousand experiences of that when I was, you know, two years old, three years old. Yeah, probably so, not two, three. So he has his tantrums. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a tantrum. Totally. Adults throw them just as easily as toddlers do. Yeah. So and and there may there may come a day when he decides he doesn't want a tantrum anymore. I hope so. And honestly, I was thinking a lot about like, okay, Alex, is this something you feel comfortable talking about on the podcast? Because this includes someone else. I've gotten to the point where I feel like. It is reasonable. The bed has been made over a period of 30 years. Yeah. If there was a problem with it, they had 30 years to make the bed differently or address the fact that the Mm -hmm. bed was made this way. You know, this is something that has affected my entire life. It's coming up and um, I feel like it's within my right to, to, to work through it. And Granted, this is a bit publicly, but hopefully that, man, if it spurs a conversation, that would be great because. Or it may repeat the pattern where you. Yes. Which that. You've outed me. You've, uh, you've made me feel a certain way. And. Well, that's just another day at the office. I've done that a million times. You're dead to me until, until you apologize for saying and, and take that podcast down. Yeah. Which we've had similar things where it's like. You know, I do something, it it causes a big reaction. I got to go apologize, but at least it advances the ball in terms of okay. Yeah. Can we talk about what's going on here? Yeah, right. Um, but the other the other thing is, you think about your dad's world. Like, if this is a way that he goes about interacting with people, you're not the only one he's interacting. Correct. With. Like, this is something yes. mom has had to deal with. Yep. This is something your brothers had to deal with. Yep. Right. Maybe coworkers, maybe his family. I don't know your friends. dad's siblings, right? Siblings yeah. and friends. Um, and so, I take heart that <clears throat> that maybe there's going to be a time when he comes around and says, "I'm I'm too old to be throwing tantrums. Yeah, I, I would d- love that. I'm, I'm done with this, and I've pushed people away. And and <clears throat> yes, I've pushed people away, but there's still enough people. I mean, that that's the other thing. Like, there's still enough that we do get together every now and then. But if the overall experience has been, I tend to push people away, um, it'd be great for him to, to say, I, I want to figure out if there's a different way to do things. I want to, yep. like maybe my rage and my anger is not everybody else's fault. And Yeah, that would be wonderful. Uh, I'm not in a place where I'm ready to let go of how I felt receiving the rage yeah. and receiving the, shame on you yeah. for causing me to feel this way with your lack of respect and you being a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've alluded to this earlier because we've talked about this idea of like, well, you know, if you have these conflicts, why don't you go have a convert, be a scientist, yeah. not, not a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, the reason I feel like a lawyer is because I've carried a lot of 
you know, it's just tough to manage someone else's, you know, rage sucks. It's really not pleasant to see in a, someone who's 10 times your size. Yeah. When you have to duck and cover. Yeah. It can, it, that can be a traumatic thing. No doubt. And, uh, no doubt. and it shouldn't have happened. And I think that's why I'm sensitive to my, do you hear me? I, I hear you. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. It did happen. Uh, we, I think we want, we want, we want adults to be able to calm themselves down. Totally. We want adults to realize it's my job to make a safe environment for you. And it's like, regardless of what I'm feeling, maybe I do feel angry. Maybe I do feel like my boundaries are being pushed, but that's something I can control and I can take a moment to as, take a breath as an adult. Yep. Right. And not unleash primal rage onto that's why we call these the terrible twos i mean there's child developmentalists who probably hate me for saying that but we call them the terrible twos because these are kids who are learning how to navigate this and and, and regulate their emotions yep and they're trying to figure out i can't i can't i just throw my food all over the place yeah. can't i just take a dump anywhere i want to <laughs> can't, can't i smear feces on the wall yeah. i mean we work with kids and we it's on the adult it's on the adult to say you're you're in this stage where you're trying to figure your there's just a kid emotional you're regulation out and my kid. job is to keep my shit together yes. so I don't make it worse yeah yeah yep and that's my total job is to not make it worse while you're trying to regulate these huge emotions that you're having and you're <clears throat> I mean from a child development perspective you're realizing you're no longer just a part of your mother an extension of your mother you are <clears throat> this thing that has to navigate the world. Yep. And somehow we've got to give the kid the message. Hey, these emotions, they're great, but there are boundaries. You've got totally. to figure you've got yeah. to figure out boundaries and you've got to Actions have consequences. That's if you right. continue to act this way, there's going to be a consequence. It doesn't mean you're horrible. It doesn't mean I right. hate you. Exactly. I'm not going to yell and scream and throw things and uh But a lot of people don't get that. They don't get it as as kids and then they grow up and they don't give it as parents. That's what I'm So um, my, I think that's why I'm so uncomfortable with my rage that I feel, mm -hmm. and I'm so. Am I going to become like my dad? Have, is, have yeah. I become my, my dad? Yeah. Am I going to allow a child who doesn't know any better and is developing to receive? Am I going to lose it in front of my kid someday? And you know, or when the new guy in the on the rink comes yeah, and starts yeah. hitting people or raising the puck and violating yep. some of the rules, are you going to? lose control lose control and, and rage all over them, yeah. or are you gonna figure yeah. out a different way to deal with it and i think what also is troubling for me personally too is to so i have all these feelings you know that we've just been talking about yeah just if i seem normal like inside it's been like lava bubbly like a lot of emotions running around i feel all this intense stuff i also you know keep in mind I'm sure as a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, I was frustrating. Mm -hmm. Like I did stuff, I sure. misbehaved. Like I wasn't perfect. You know, Haley tells me what she was like as a kid, you know, and she was like, I would be do my homework. I'd be in bed by bedtime. <laughs> I was like, damn, your parents probably loved you, right? Mm -hmm. I was the exact opposite. Do I have some responsibility, right? Do I bear some responsibility? And uh, my approach to all this stuff and right talking about family and you know nobody's perfect yeah a million percent i still love in spite of all this i love my parents of course my, my dad calls me he needs me done i'll do it um it's just tough to reconcile i mean going doing this emdr work 
and having them be like, think about a time. And I think about a very specific moment. Yeah, right. And I've got, I was six years old, you know, to go through that. It's like, no wonder I would started running away in my brain or something like that. Yeah. So it's been trippy. And um, it's been hard for me to keep the anger at bay in terms of like wanting to pick up the phone and be like, look what you did to me. Yeah. That's not the way. I know that, but I still feel, have that feeling. And I, and I think that that, <clears throat> I think that that can change. Yeah. I think, you know, much like I th- we just talked about child development, I think there's adult development as well, right? Right. Your dad, he lives in your mind with the memory you have of him when you were a six-year-old. And maybe he hasn't changed much, but he is still capable of changing. He is still capable of going, yes. of, of being able to come to you and say, I wish I had a do-over. You know, I wish I could have done something different. Probably one of the most healing moments I've had with with my dad. My dad's passed away now, but one of the most healing moments was reminding him of a disciplinary tactic that he used on me. And and we were just talking about that in conversation. He came up to me later that night. This was years ago when he was still alive. Came to me later that night and said, "I'm so sorry for how I did that. I I had forgotten that I did that to you, and I would." I wish I could do that again. How I wish I could not do it again, but I yeah, wish yeah. I could do it over. Do it over in a different way. I was so I didn't know what to do to help you and I thought I was helping. I thought I was breaking you of a bad and and um a habit that people were going to tease you, you know, anyway. How did you bring it up to him in a non-contemptuous angry manner? We were, we were just talking about stuff that went on when mm-hmm. we were kids and stuff like, mm-hmm. ah, I remember the time dad did this and yeah. and he he was he was distraught by the memory and he he came back and he said i mean that would be so healing for me to it was it that. was for me i think so i agree with yeah. you i just don't know that i would be able to the second i bring it up he'd be looking for like so you're trying to say this is my fault like he'd be looking for the angle whereas you're trying to get at you know you're trying to insult me or he'd be looking for the angle and also too i want to state i have memories that are unpleasant I have tons of memories of my dad being supportive, of course, loving, of course, being there for me, of course, encouraging me. This is the other thing that, like, when you put when you put your therapist on one end of the continuum, you know, like uh, your parents were very traumatic inducing yeah, yeah, people, yeah. and yep. me over here, like, eh, you know. <laughs> the reality is that we're we're all we're both right. Yeah, we. we we terrorize our kids and we elevate them and we you know we're the best of times and we're the worst of times to to go from a a tale of two cities you know that's what the first sentence in that book it was the best of times it was the worst of times and so much potential in in so much of my potential is locked up in how my parents treated me and how much i showed up and couldn't show up or how they didn't show up and how they would show up yeah and I think my big takeaway is like, I don't want to create a, an expectation that a human being cannot be a human being and have flaws. Yeah. I think my expectation is like, if you have flaws or you've done things that you know are wrong, to just say, hey, this wasn't the best way. I could have done better. Yeah. I wish I could have done better. And I wouldn't respond with a, yeah, no shit. You know, I wouldn't rub it in their face. I'd say, thank you so much. Like, yeah. You did a lot of great stuff. So liberating. You know, I, I understand that there was some, but the fact that you're 
you love me enough to come and say this to me reaffirms like okay i am worth it i'm not a i'm not a bad kid and i'm not a worthless piece of shit you know you do love me and i love you too and i forgive you and i think the thing that therapy does or can do is it can be a place where you can have these trial runs Mm -hmm. yeah and you can fantasize about wow could i go talk to my dad that way or wow this happened in in my therapist's life could it happen in my life as well or yep it it unlock it 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 unlocks possibilities, yeah. As opposed to just never doing anything about it, right? Like this lives in my brain. The, the trauma as a six year old that I experienced lives in my brain, and that's the way my dad is. He's unchangeable. He's immutable. Yeah, I definitely. I remember you said this. I recommend all adults talk to their parents, and mm-hmm. I think I've been thinking about this very thing since for since I, when I started therapy. I was like, okay, one of these days I'm going to confront my parents. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to them. So I've been thinking about this for 15 years, right. 16 years. I worry that I'll never do it. Yeah. And they'll they'll pass away and I'll just be stuck with this here are all the things I wish I could have said to you guys. Yeah. Um so I mean that reminds me of a a saying, you know, my, like my folks generation, yeah, we need to wrap up. My yeah. folks generation was great with um like they would memorize poems and stuff and they would yeah, quote yeah. quote Shakespeare. Yeah. And stuff like that. So the, like the one poem that I've, I've memorized is from Harriet Beecher Stowe or saying, maybe not even a poem, the, the bitterest tears shed over graves are for words left unsaid and deeds left undone. And I think about that when I think about making, do, inviting our parents to engage in repair work, inviting our parents to consider what, what my experience of them was like, um, and being able to, to to say, I get it, you did your best, but yeah. it was still hard on me, and I'm not holding that over you, and I'm not using that to to trash you and your memory. I, I have both. I have great memories, and I have these really painful experiences, and I'm not saying this because I want to shove it in your face. Yeah. I just, I want to move beyond it, and I see you in all your complicatedness because now I'm you. I have all my complicatedness. I'm I'm the SOB who loses his temper sometimes, and I'm the the guy who can elevate someone. I I live with Hitler inside me, and I live with Mother Teresa inside me. You know, I that's the yeah. human the human um, capability, right? To be as evil as Hitler and as amazing as Gandhi. Yeah. You know, and as loving and peaceful as Gandhi. Right. Yeah. And to sort of bring this to a conclusion, the EMDR work that I and so. She just had surgery, so she's out for like three weeks. So I'm going to do nothing for three weeks, but then I'll pick it back up. Mm-hmm. But I am, you know, that that it's kicking up a lot of stuff, and I'll bet it'll. I, I I'm I'm hopeful though that kicking it up maybe will lead to some sort of healing and, and stuff like that. So stay tuned. If nothing else, I think you've been a big believer in trusting the process. Yeah, a hundred percent. Which you guys better. Know what you're doing. I hope so. Yeah, I'm putting well, a lot of faith I hope in you guys. George knows what he's doing. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. He better. Everyone, but all you, all therapists listening, you better know what you're doing because we're putting our fate in your hands. I'm just kidding, or am I? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Doctor Steve's got to catch a flight because he's got to go speak to a thousand students. No, nope. uh, nope. different. But yeah, I do have to catch a flight. Um, so thank you for your time, Doctor Steve. Great to see you. All right, and uh, everyone else out there, stay happy. Take care. Bye.